Hello, I'm Vaiva Dabravaskaite. And I'm Susanne Stokmans. We are from ESVS Podcasts. We are sending our regards from the ESVS annual meeting in Belfast. We are here recording live. Today we are interviewing three amazing female vascular role models on diversity, equality and inclusivity in vascular surgery. Let's start with introductions. Right next to me is Dr. Tara Mastracci, a vascular surgeon from Canada. She did part of her fellowship in Cleveland Clinic in Ohio and Case Western Reserve University. She moved to London almost 10 years ago. She is currently practicing at Sans Bartholomew's Hospital. She's a wild, well-known surgeon and her major interest is in complex aortic surgery. Welcome, Tara. Hello. And right in front of me is Professor Alison Halliday. She is based at University of Oxford. She's a professor and a chair-elect of the ESC Stroh Council and past president of the European Society for Vascular Surgery. She is also the principal investigator in the ACST Multinational Randomized Control, uh, Carotid Trials. Hello, Alison. Hello. And last but not least, Palma Shaw is Professor of Surgery at the State University of New York and a member of the Division of Vascular Surgery at Upstate Medical Center in Syracuse, New York. Uh, she has an executive MBA from the Heller School at Brandeis University. She serves as the Secretary General of the World Federation of Vascular Society and is the new president for the International Society for Endovascular Specialists. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are very excited to interview three female role models on this important topic of diversity in vascular surgery. We first wanted to know what sort of role models or mentors you met during your vascular training and early career and what impact did they have on your careers? I uh, trained with Professor Avril Mansfield who was the first professor of vascular surgery in the United Kingdom, uh, an excellent surgeon and, and a role model for many people. Um, and then my main interest now is in research and I would say my role model for that is Professor Sir Richard Pito who's a, a really well known world clinical trialist and I've worked for, with him for 30 years and we enjoy arguing and making things better we hope. My role models were Julie Freischlag in the United States who is the leader really for all the women in the US we admire her and then Amy Reed who has always been supportive of me and was the one that would say hey come give this talk or we'd like you to be involved with this or why don't you come out to dinner with the rest of the women at the meeting and this was very important to network at a younger age when there's so few women. And then um, male role models, I spent time with Dr. Frank Veith, and that was a real pivotal time in my career to get exposed to Dr. Veith's work ethic and innovation. And then Gary Gibbons was my other mentor, a leader in pedal bypass surgery. And uh, then whoever else wants to help me is my mentor. <laughs> I've been so lucky, I've had quite a few role models through my career. Uh, Robin McLeod was a brilliant colorectal surgeon in Canada, uh, in Toronto, and she, she's just, I've, I hold her on the pinnacle as, as the best female role model I've ever had. Uh, but Susan Reed and Joan Mazakowski were great as well. And interestingly, as a medical student, the very first operation I saw was Stephanie Brister, a cardiac surgeon in Hamilton, Ontario, doing a, an aortic valve, and it just, it, I really wanted to do surgery after that, so I've been very lucky. And of course, you know, Roy Greenberg and Claudio Cina have been uh, really important in my life as well. And I can also imagine that all three of you are in a position now to mentor today. And what are your experience being mentors to other 
young trainees or surgeons? I see my role as being here to help other women bring them up. I feel blessed that I have the opportunities that I have in every leadership role that I have. I spend most of the time thinking about how to help everybody else so that I'm not up here by myself. Yeah, I feel uh, having lived this long life in vascular surgery, I've made a lot of mistakes. And my goal for my mentees is to try and help them not make the same mistakes I did, if that's humanly possible. And I think, I think mine is really to make people recognize that you can have uh, a good, enjoyable and full life as a vascular surgeon, both in clinical work and then in, and in academic research, and not feel that you have to give up things that people somehow get encouraged to give up if they are a woman. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Palma, since 2021, the SVS has a women's section, which was founded by Amy Reed, Linda Harris, Audra Duncan and yourself. How did you start this section and what has it meant for women in the SVS? We developed a WhatsApp chat during COVID. With, uh, now there's over 225 women on the chat. And at that time, uh, Amy Reed, who was on the, uh, the, uh, one of the leaders on the executive board for the SVS, said, hey, we can start a women's section. Who'd like to do that? So since I volunteer for everything, I was the first person to put my hand up. So we filled out the application and explained to the board why we wanted to come together. Women have been organizing informally for some time, and we felt that we need space. We need a safe space for women where we can discuss things that women need to talk about with each other and so we can bond and form these types of um, pr productive times even in lectures or educationally we need to think about women's needs so um, we did the application I pitched it to the board that was a little bit stressful but uh, we pushed that through and uh, they were good about it and now we have a women's dinner at the SVS every year which is really fun so you should come sometime and then we have a, a women's session during the meeting which is a very coveted time you have to fight to get a, set, a space in the so, yeah so they've committed that to us that sounds amazing and what are your goals for the women's section in the next years to come what we did initially is we started a steering committee so it was led by initially myself and audra we were co-chairs and then i rotated off but it's three senior women three mid-career three more junior and three trainees so the group gets together to discuss what might be the needs there was a survey so we did a survey of all the women and then we tried to find topics that we need to discuss at the annual meeting and then there's opportunity for different webinars and things like that and the SBS has a budget that they've allocated to support the women's section and as the new president for the International Society for Endovascular Specialists, you have found sisterhood in surgery, releasing webinars on a bunch of different topics, such as knowing your personal values as a vascular surgeon and managing your career in the wake of divorce. All of these webinars are freely available on the ISEVS website. How did you get the idea of this sisterhood and how did you come up with the webinar topics? So I have to credit Alan Lumsden, who's I would attribute as another mentor of mine. Um, Alan's been terrific. He's been supportive. And he, uh, when I was joining the ISEBS, which was originally founded by Ted Dietrich many years ago, and it's a multidisciplinary international society, he said, <clears throat> we'd like you to be part of this. And I think there's an idea. You can use our studio and collaborate with my partner, Linda Lay. And we'll do a webinar, so we were stressed out because it zero uh, experience. Um, but then we did one on radiation safety. We taped the first one, and then all the rest have been live. 
And we just make up topics. So we'll try to do, we did one about how to become an editor of the JVS, which is more vascular related. And then when I was doing my MBA, I had all these other MBA related things. We had Julie Freischlag on, and it was like climbing Mount Everest, one woman's journey to the, to the top. And basically that was a concept of a, a thing we do in the MBA class about climbing Mount Everest and team building. So we, I just kind of, ideas come. It's remarkable how they just come in. Um, and we can, and like we just are starting this new society, the Inner Society of um, Women Vascular Surgeons. So our last one, we just did a whole uh, webinar on the beginning of that. Really, really nice. And I want to remind everyone that uh, these are freely available. So please take a look if you're interested. And shifting gears, uh, dear Tara, can you tell your opinion about the issues female vascular surgeons face within the community? Yeah, well, I think I, I listen to what Palma talks about, and, and uh, I'm excited for the American diaspora because it seems like they're very advanced. In Europe, we, we may not be advanced, and we have a slightly bigger diversity because we have a lot of different cultures from all over European society. I know very specifically in England, uh, most recently with the, the Health Commission report that came out two weeks ago saying that one in three female surgical trainees are sexually harassed at work. Um, it's strikes me that we have a pretty large problem on our hands. And I, I think one of the challenges we face as women in surgery is that traditionally most of us have been very keen to say that we're all equal, that we don't want to be treated differently because we're women. But at the same time, women trainees seem to have a, a different experience in the workforce than uh, than their male counterparts. So I think it's, it's important for people who are slightly more mature in our community to start speaking up about these issues. So that's what I'm hoping that uh, Alison and I can do with the European Society uh, in the next couple of years. Definitely. And uh, there was a session during the annual meeting regarding the harassment and it's recorded so we will share it in the show notes so that our speakers can also take a look at it. And you have a worldwide recognition in treatment of complex aortic pathology for more than 15 years, which is impressive. During this time, you have enriched your experience in different countries and different institutions. May you share with us how countries differ in terms of diversity? You already touched up on that. Thank you. Um, thank you for your kind words. I think being a bit of a vascular nomad uh, has been extraordinarily educational. I've, I've learned from three different healthcare systems. I've shared with a myriad of wonderful colleagues that have taught me. And um, I think I am so much more appreciative of cultural nuances now than I, I might have been if I just stayed in Canada. Um, so I think uh, one of the things that, that moving around has done specifically has allowed me to spend a little bit more time observing before I form large opinions about any given environment. And I think that allows me to be slightly more sensitive to the people I'm working with. Now, that was was a acquired skill. <laughs> I can't say that um, I came at that very well or, or was successful early in my career, but I hope I'm maturing into it now. And as Palma already mentioned, in the US they have taken already quite a few steps uh, to unite female physicians and uh, basically start a dialogue. And both you and Alison are starting the dialogue here in Europe. And I would like you to share the experiences. Where are, where are we at the moment? Well, really coincidentally, um, um, our experience has started with a WhatsApp chat as well. <laughs> and the WhatsApp chat came after uh, the Rome European Vascular
particular meeting when there was really a paucity of women um, in leadership positions on the podium. And to many of us, that that felt like a, a real loss for the society. And so we've mobilized a group of really strong and wonderful uh, female voices to uh, go to the ESVS Executive Committee and petition to have an equity and diversity uh, task force instituted so that we can start looking at this in a scientific way. What do you think, Alison? Well, I think hopefully we're going to make some difference quite soon. Um, Certainly, I think things have been rather quiet for quite a long time. And I've been the only female president of ESVS. And now there's been a gap of four or five years. And I was hoping people would come along quite quickly after me. But I still see people saying, yeah, maybe in a few years time, it's the reluctance to put themselves forward because they think they have to be completely organized, completely perfect and so on. And no man is completely perfect and completely organized as we all know. So for committees, for president, for any of the roles in the society, I truly feel you just have to be enthusiastic and want to do it. And that's where you start from. Put yourself forward when you think you see something you want to do because you will get there and you will enjoy it and it will make life better for all of us. Definitely. And thank you for starting to work on this. And I'm a strong believer that a change happens within a community. So it's not possible to do any of the changes alone. So it's great that you're gathering that. and. I know that you have, for me, you have been like a pioneers to start talking about this discussion. I think for many of us in Europe, uh, can you share with our listeners? So if one wants to join you, can, how can we do this? Start by joining the WhatsApp group. As Tara has said, it's, it just it expands almost weekly. I mean, we're over 120 now, I guess. And everybody's welcome who's interested. I mean, it, it doesn't actually matter whether you're a man or a woman. Please join. I mean, we've got it's a it's a forum to discuss things. You can spread news. You can sort of see what people think, and that's a good that's a good start. And then um, any form of networking. I used to wonder what networks were when I was um, a junior surgeon, and people would start talking about it, and I'd think, oh, I don't have any of those. And then one day the penny dropped. I had a huge network, but I didn't recognise that that was what it was. And for me the networking in different cultures for my research in uh, carotid artery disease in 30 countries has really been enormously helpful so I see the different uh, the different cultures that people are working in people talk to me about what they find is frustrating about working in some country and so on Uh, and actually it's good we just need to start talking and get together and then everybody actually starts to feel better about it we're going to be presenting our proposal for the Equity and Diversity Task Force at the Executive Committee in two weeks. If it's approved, we're going to very rapidly need some volunteers to sit on this committee and help us build the future of ESVS. I personally hope that these people are very young and diverse <laughs> vascular surgeons and not um, the old guard. So I would say the number one thing you can do after joining the WhatsApp group is to put your hand up uh, to be part of our equity 
Equity and Diversity Task Force. I've got one slight modifier on that one, and that is that um, listening to discussions today uh, uh, and yesterday, really, I noticed people start from different positions. So when we talk about this, people start sometimes if they're younger uh, with things that other people have already worked their way through and so on. So I think we do need a, a broad spectrum of people who do have some experience and very young people who, who need you know mentors and people to talk with about this and um, we don't want to reinvent the wheel we want we want to move fast and and use the experience that's there definitely so i will make sure to kind of share your contacts in the podcast so people can contact you if they want to join in Great. Uh, dear Alison, you have a highly established career uh, in leading and leading positions within the society. Uh, also, you have been actively involved in your academic work and in teaching. We all know that proportion of female medical students is much higher nowadays. Do you feel like as a vascular community, we have been able to adapt to the diversity? I think the proportion of female medical students has been a, a kind of a false flag in some ways. People have said, oh look, you know, more than 50% of students are now women. That means everything will be fine. And actually, uh, people when they start a long career and a path, this is, uh, we surveyed this in the College of Surgeons in the UK about 15 years ago. And after they reach a certain point, they make life decisions. They, they, they decide, do I want this life? And that partly depends on the people they've worked with and, and, and so on, as well as themselves. So I think the female medical student proportion doesn't necessarily translate into an eventual career in surgery, for example. And, and for me, I think um, it, it's all about whether you are in a friendly uh, unit. So when people apply for jobs, they, they anticipate there's you know a lot of... Um, competition, they've got to apply, they've got to be the best and so on. But actually then when they eventually become a consultant in our environment, the thing is you need to be in the right environment. So it's not about the competition necessarily, it's about who your colleagues are, what the environment is like and how supportive it's going to be for your, the rest of your working life. And that is a, that's an important decision going from one type of competition into another. Yeah, I think uh, in the introduction Tara gave a good example that she was so impressed with a surgeon doing an aortic valve uh, procedure that she really wanted to do that. So I think, yeah, that's really related. Uh, do you ladies have something to add up? I would say that uh, recruitment and retention of women vascular surgeons and, and getting trainees to want to come into surgery is, crit is critically important. And we have about over 50% of the medical students in the U.S. are women as well. And that's who we're drawing from. That's, all, that's the people that we need to bring them in. The only way we're going to do that is to role model, show them that they can do it, and connect with them. So the more that the senior people like us connect with the medical students, the better, the better the odds are that they'll come into the field. Many of them have concerns about radiation exposure. I really love the guidelines that the ESVS just put out. I have incorporated those in my fellowship program. I'm a fellowship director. And I think it's very important. And I know early on when I was pregnant and I, was, I had two children and I would double lead and I had all these crazy like suspenders holding the lead up and it was, you should have seen me, it was so funny. But anyway, it wasn't even necessary because we did write a paper about that. We recorded the radiation doses. So they shouldn't be afraid of that. I mean, standard protection should 
should be sufficient. I'm interested to hear your opinion on different qualities you see in younger generations of physicians. Uh, I personally did my master thesis on mentorship, influence on surgical skill development and uh, my personal impression is that nowadays residents are much more outspoken, but we do have the same issues with self-esteem, imposter syndrome, which is very frequent in females. And that's also what my master's thesis showed. Uh, do you share the views? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I, I think it does require education. I mean, this is not something that you arrive at um, just because you're a woman, you don't realize it. You think these are your own personal feelings and then you share them with a few people and so on. So, I mean, impo imposter syndrome is so common. And of course, it's common in some men who are perhaps somewhat more empathetic uh, with that as well. So they, they do recognize their own limitations. But I think uh, if, if there are really nasty situations that people find themselves in where they're finding themselves sort of in a hostile situation with hostile colleagues and so on, there's got to be somewhere safe for them to realize that it is not them, <laughs> it, is, it is something else. And I think there's a lot that needs to be developed from that. And I think Tara's already sort of uh, mentioned the sexual harassment and there are many other forms of bullying and harassment. We had a terrific session, I think, in, in this meeting on that really terrific from from women and from men um, I think everybody has it it's it can be different and I think talking about it and bringing it out into the open is certainly a start but we really need action on it yeah I think increasing diversity in surgery is is going to be a challenge for a couple of generations and wasn't it John Wayne that said pioneers take the arrows settlers take the land you know it's uh, so all, all of the new faces in in vascular surgery are, are going to have a bit of a hurdle and especially because they won't have a lot of mentors that look like them so I think one of the most important things that we as more senior members of the community can do is learn how to mentor people who don't look like us you know who uh, and and really make sure that we're sensitive to the the different challenges that di that diversity can bring to a vascular surgery environment because it is somewhat traditionally um, a fraternity <laughs> And I guess we're still learning. Um, I have no idea what it's like to be in a younger person's position. I mean, we had hardly anybody I would see. Julie Frisch, like, from afar. And that'd be, like, my role model from afar. I mean, she didn't even know who I was. And But now you have the opportunity to network with, look at all of us. And there's so much more access to women that some have a dedicated careers to venous disease. Some have a broad career. Some are community practice. Some are academic. And you can find a role model, hopefully, and reach out. And I think it's hard for us when we're busy and we're we're struggling ourselves to figure out how to move forward and then we need to work to help all the others come up so we learn from you as well every day how to help you that's nice to hear I was just thinking that we are constantly up to date with clinical work and with new strategies so it's just should be a natural thing to adopt to changes and uh, diversity as well well, I think one of the things that women are going to bring to the field when there's a like, larger groundswell of us is is this ability to talk about these issues outside of work and uh, and hopefully make the working environment better for everybody in it. Definitely. And as we're reaching to the end of our discussion, I would like to share with you a following sentence or question. What would be your message to yourself 20 years ago when at, or at the beginning of your career? I would say don't doubt yourself. If you had told me 20 years ago 
I'd be sitting here interviewed for the ESVS podcast. I would never have believed it. Or if you'd said, you're going to be president of this or you're going to run the World Federation, I would think you're insane. And so I, I doubted myself a lot and I maybe I shouldn't have. So I think the sky's the limit and that's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think I... I tend to think why not and I think why not is quite a good uh, position to be in and so I mean 20 years ago 30 years ago people used to say oh you know you, you can't do that or something and why not works you know is there a really good reason why you can't do something absolutely not yeah I would agree with that and with both of what you said and also I would probably tell myself to slow down a little bit and just enjoy what's happening because I think those early years especially through my 20s and 30s it flew by it was an incredible time and uh, and I spent a lot of time being nervous and uh, trying to get to the next spot and not really enjoying where I was yeah so enjoy the process don't go for the result immediately right exactly well it has been such a great pleasure meeting you here and talking to you and I feel really inspired meeting such amazing women and talking about this important subject and I'm really excited for all the things that uh, that women are going to do in this society and, uh, and in the vascular world. Um, the first podcast on this topic but definitely not the last. Thank you for your time and we are very excited to follow your work with the, within the vascular community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we will be back soon with more ESVS podcasts. Please follow the ESVS socials to be informed about new releases. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Bye.